I got encephalitis and I, I was paralyzed. After that personal experience, I valued life totally different. So throughout my career, I couldn't find a role model for me. I found it in books. I found it in writers, authors, people who I, I didn't have any interaction with day to day, except my mother. My mother was not a cliche that someone says my mother is a role model, because indeed she was. But then when I, after 30 years in the government, I felt that I had frustration at the end because there are so many things that I want to achieve and I couldn't achieve it from where I was. Inspire Someone Today is creating ripples of inspiration to all of our listeners. Month of March, 8th March to be precise, is celebrated as International Women's Day. We here at Inspire Someone Today wanted to make it special. We are bringing in four different influencers, four different inspirers to come share their life journey, career journey with all the listeners out here. It's an absurd joy and pleasure to bring in this inspiring guest joining us all the way from Dubai. She is a serial entrepreneur, founder and CEO of Alive Group, a multifaceted personality having experience in varied sectors like aviation, cyber security, public transportation and holistic healthcare. Oh boy, I can't be more excited than this to have Laila been on Inspire Someone today. Laila, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. So we'll jump right in. What's your backstory? Looking back at the journey that you've had, you had so much of varied experiences in the career that you have built over three decades. Sitting now in 2023, how do you look back at this journey? What are the high points? What are the key lessons that you've had in this journey, Laila? Well, looking back at uh, maybe 30 years of uh, working in both government and private, I have never imagined that my life will take me to places that I, I've been and it will take me to the place I am right now. It's a long journey. Some I planned and some I worked hard for and some came with being in the right place in the right time. I started as a software engineer. I worked in the Dubai Electricity and Water Authority for more than 11 years, actually. And uh, after that, I moved to the Roads and Transport Authority. But from the Dubai Authority to RTA, I have shifted my career in form- information technology to strategy in transportation. That shift has a long story, which I can talk about it, but uh, we have a lot to talk about as well. And then from the Roads and Transport Authority, after we launched the metro, it was very hectic for me, actually. It was moving from IT to strategist and transportation. It was a very uh, steep path. I had to learn a lot of things. I had to prove a lot of things. And we worked on uh, different projects, billions of dollars projects, restructured the infrastructure in the government of Dubai. It was very ambitious, shift, but I made it successful. And I consider myself as one of the the founder of the Roads and Transport Authority, and that is something I really feel proud of. After that, I took a few months, like a break from all of that. You know, it was a very stormy five years. After that, I got headhunted for uh, the Civil Aviation Organization Authority. 
I mean, it was a very uh, different ship, a software engineer, and then shifted to transport strategist, and then shifted to aviation. And aviation is a whole different game. It's a very complicated industry, the complicated industry in a way that, you know, not only technical aspect, but also the culture of aviation was totally different than any other field that I worked in. And that was a big challenge for me to go as a executive director of planning, strategy and policy for the whole aviation sector from a different field. I had to gain the knowledge. I had to gain the respect of my peers. I had to gain the respect of the industry. And that was something very challenging for me as well. But uh, I made it and uh, we did a lot of good things for the industry. We restructured the regulatory. We improved a lot of uh, safety and security policies. We had a lot of achievement in the civil aviation uh, authority. And then I retired. And after I retired, I still had, I mean, working 30 years with the government as a public servant, as someone who's, you know, uh, looking to create an impact on the society, I brought that, you know, mission and that sense with me in the private sector. And from my experiences in, uh, you know, in my personal life and wanting, you know, to put a stamp or uh, create a value in the society, I created my companies. My companies, one of them is in aviation consultancy, which is my passion, which I still do and I will never stop. But I wanted to, you know, address few gaps in the medical field and in the cyber field and the society. So cyberbullying, cyber threat, cyber awareness, human factors, all of that affects the population, affects our public, affects our children affects uh, our organizations, uh, we are hacked, we, our data sometimes uh, jeopardize. So we really need to uh, put a lot of efforts, co- consolidated efforts from the government and from the private sector. And this is what I try to achieve. In the medical field, though, it is something that uh, personally, I really wanted to address sleep apnea issues. We lost our mother sleep apnea complications. So I looked at the gaps in the medical field here in UAE and I saw that there's a lot of, you know, improvements uh, can be done in this aspect. And the sleep diagnostic is not affordable. It is not uh, accessible by patients. And there's lack of awareness in regards to sleep apnea. If you talk about sleep apnea, people will not know what is that. We'll say, what is that? We'll ask. So awareness and uh, providing actually services that affordable uh, diagnostic, affordable treatment that will create a value in that field and will, you know, I will personally see that I saved some lives, even if, even if it is not a large scale because I'm not government, even on my scale as a private uh, organization, even one life I saved, it will mean a lot to me. That's a fantastic start, a great uh, end to that section. Even if you make an impact to one life, that means a lot to you. That's exactly what this show is all about. Even if we inspire at least one individual, we would have accomplished what it is. And again, drawing on the spectrum of work that you have done from the public sector in the government to the private sector, also driven by what has happened to you personally as well. There's a broad spectrum around aviation, around transportation, holistic health, cyber security. Question on everybody's mind. How do you manage your energy? How do you prioritize each of these uh, elements? I've been asked this question 
a lot of times. I think you need to prioritize. Once you prioritize, you know, your time and you delegate and that's, that's the key. You need to have a lot of trust around you, trust in your team, choosing the right team members. Even if uh, my team is very small, but uh, everyone knows what they're doing and I fully trust them. So I don't spend time of managing and, you know, looking over my shoulder. Did they do this? Did they do that? So the right team member is crucial for your mission. And then, you know, prioritization is very, very important. I'm a strategist. So when I planning or doing something, I always put the roadblocks and look at the puzzle pieces and try to put them together in a way that is achievable. So yes, I've done a lot, but if you start a good foundation, then you will achieve a lot. But you cannot embark on so many things without a good foundation. So very true. You cannot uh, have accomplished so much without having the trust of the team and not to micromanage. That's a very well put uh, comment out there. Again, looking back, Laila, if you were to say that, okay, these are some of the key lessons that you had derived out of this illustrious career that you have had so far. What would those key lessons be? There are so many lessons. First lesson is just look at the world, not from your own boundaries. I mean, we are put, we set our own boundaries. Yes, there are so many lessons I can take from my journey. First lesson is the boundaries you set for yourself, you live with. So start with removing all the boundaries around you. And I'm not talking about ethical boundaries or, uh, you know, cultural boundaries. It's about abilities boundaries. So everybody, everybody has huge abilities, but they didn't discover it yet. You have to jump into something in order for you to see if you can do it or not. You cannot second guess yourself before anything. Opportunities comes and goes. The opportunity, whoever grabs that opportunity, he will win, whether he did a good job or a bad job. But he grabbed the opportunity and he tried. So if he succeeded, he succeeded. If he didn't succeed, he got a lot of lessons learned and he improved his abilities. So it's very crucial not to have fear from jumping into something and not to have a lot of boundaries that can I do this? Can I do that? And I can see a lot of women actually. They second guess themselves and they say, um, you know, they don't, they do have confidence, but you know, they try to take, to do the right thing. So they are not taking a lot of risk. For them, I say, take the risk and fail. Even if you fail so many times, that's okay. Every failure will add to you something. A failure doesn't take anything from a person. A failure gives you lessons learned if you didn't succeed and that's it. You tried something. I'm sure you'll get something out of it. People that you know you're adding to your network, knowledge that you gained, things that you should not do, so you'll have to avoid it in the future. So this is one thing that I took. The first few years in my life, I was walking on the side. I was having little kids. I was doing my job and I'm not doing anything more because I was so scared, so scared about the kids, so scared about their future and my income and whatever. And this is something in the 20s I had, I struggled with. But then I got encephalitis and I, I was paralyzed. After that personal experience, I valued life totally different. And for my kids, for the sake of my kids, I had to take more opportunities. And myself, after that, I left DIY, I went to RTA. I remember I went to the chairman of RTA and 
I just gave him my CV and I told him, hey, listen, you are going to have a lot of value if you hire me. That kind of attitude I wasn't having before I had the encephalitis. After the encephalitis, I felt life is very precious and it can go in a second. So why not take chances? Why not take risks? Why not take and grab any opportunity or even create your own opportunities? That's very important. Wonderful. Laila, you yourself has been an inspirer across the region, particularly in the Middle East section of geography out there. But I'm sure growing up in your own career trajectory, any story of women who inspired you to be who you are? Unfortunately, in my corporate world, I was always, you know, in a man's world, started working early 90s in technology field. And technology field, there were not a lot of women. So throughout my career, I couldn't find a role model for me. I found it in books. I found it in writers, authors, people who I I didn't have any interaction with day to day, except my mother. My mother was not a cliche that someone says my mother is a role model. Because indeed she was. From the mountain, she was illiterate. She couldn't read and write. And when my brother passed away in the 50s, she had to learn how to read, how to write, how to manage an architect firm from not even reading a word, you know. the She was very persistent. She had a very strong will, even though she didn't have the capabilities and the abilities but she went and took a chance on managing the company successfully. And that is something that I always took in my life. She had a lot to lose because that was something which is very important after my brother passed away. But she never had any fears or any embarrassment of discussing technical issues that she has nothing to do with or she didn't know any technical jargons or or whatever. She was illiterate managing an architect firm. So that is something that, you know, myself, my brothers and sisters are always, you know, we looked up to her and uh, we took it in our lives. That's why my sisters, alhamdulillah, they they were very successful. They're still successful in their careers. Nothing like having that role model within the family. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I do have one author, which She's brilliant. I read all her books and I I followed her life, which is Maya Angelou. When you read about her life and about, you know, all the experiences, where she came from and why she became at the end and how proud she was talking about her life, even though it was, you know, for somebody else, they will feel ashamed of. I mean, that's an inspiration for me as well. And you did mention about the fact the industries that you were in 30 years back was very much underrepresented by women folks. Even today, talk about industries like aviation, cybersecurity, that's where the world is running behind programs like STEM to encourage more and more women, girl students to get into engineering, get into science. So if people were to look up to making a career in these industries, what challenges you encountered and what would be your advice to people looking into making a cut in, in these industries? There are many challenges, you know, to be frank. One of the challenges I told you is the boundaries we put for ourselves, how we take charge of our careers, we take charge of our path. It's a self-development issue that is required, you know, to be focused on during the education phases, during high school and university. 
we really need to look at women, not only give them the, you know, academic aspect, but self-improvements and development and confidence that to go into these fields. Second is external. So in these fields, if I take an example of aviation, it is a male dominant until now. In my organization, the last organization, I was the most senior one. And when I left, you know, it's only one senior a woman after me was, uh, you know, appointed and that, that's it. It's very difficult for women in, in a man-dominated field for different things. So first thing is, you know, how do you interact with the men in aviation? For example, I, when I started my career in aviation, well, I, I would sit with a group of experts, pilots, aviation engineers, etc. And I didn't know anything about aviation. So when I talk, they will start making fun of me. And I didn't take it into heart. I kept asking them questions. I tell them, yes, I wouldn't feel embarrassed. Yes, I don't know about this. Please explain it to me. So for me, not to feel embarrassed and keep throwing the ball into their field and asking them to explain it to me. Yes, tell me. And I give them a task, you know. If you are making fun of me, then it is your responsibility to teach me because I'm your colleague. This is one thing that, you know, I had to work hard for. So a woman should, or anybody go into aviation or any other field, they need, really need to work hard on gaining the knowledge and getting the respect they deserve. So credibility comes from, you know, your knowledge, from your experience, from your success. So you have to create that. You have to create the knowledge. You have to create successes in your life. You have to show them that you are you know, you know what you're talking about. Even if you come from another field, you bring something out, you bring them new experiences from outside their world. So they will open their eyes and they would say, oh, we didn't think about that, but you came from outside the field. So that is your value. So you emphasize on your value. And then there's a lot of also women competition that people will use against women. So women to women, there's a lot of, you know, sometimes there's jealousy, which is similar to men to men. But because we really need some good emotional intelligence and we need to back each other in the organization, sometimes in different organizations, they will use this against women. So to one senior position, they will tell her, the other lady talked about you, this is what she said, and they will go to the other one said, and they will start creating you know, negative environment, a negative relationship. For me in one organization, that was the case. And I, because I'm older, I'm wiser than because of my age and because of my experiences. So I looked at this behavior, identified this behavior, but the other person, they didn't. And then they started having all these sensitivities. I left that organization and that other lady, the person who was doing all of, who had this negative behavior, now sitting in her position. So we really need to identify, you know, these behaviors within politics of organization. We need to stick together. We need to have better communication. You know, things that I want the spotlight on me, I don't want you to have the spotlight. That is something that we need as women to work together and eliminate. There are so many other challenges as well. Networking is very difficult for women. Usually network, majlises, especially in this you know, in GCC or the Gulf countries, men, they get connected to each other through um, majlises, through uh, men, you know, 
men groups, men areas. And, you know, a lot of things, positions and vacancies are discussed there and they recommend this one and that one within the network. Women does not, unfortunately, has this opportunity to be in that kind of network. They have to work much harder to find these opportunities, to be nominated, to be elected, get these positions. So it is a bit harder for women to do that. So these are the challenges and, of course, other challenges that anybody would face competition and within the organization, quality of work, you know, opportunities of education, opportunities of certification. Aviation is traveling all the time and a lot of mothers, a lot of women in this area has a bit of, uh, you know, conservative families, conservative husbands that will, you know, will impact their growth in aviation because of being conservative when it comes to flying, attending conferences abroad or meetings abroad, etc. So there's a lot of differences in aviation that if a woman wants to go into this field and wants to grow and she has to be flexible. She has to know how to run her life, balance her life. She's a mother. She knows how to, you know, provide the kids quality time while she's there. So because if she's not there, you know, she doesn't feel guilty about them. And that's another thing. Women are nurturers. Women feel guilty all the time. And this is how God created us. It's not that men doesn't feel guilty, but this is how men goes to work. They go hunting and then they come back. Women nurture their families and take care of their families. And if they are not around, they will feel guilty. So in aviation, because we are traveling all the time, because of the, of the flexibility and the, you know, being a global field, and you'll have to be a lot of places in, during the year, it will put a lot of you know, pressure, mental pressure on women. And that is something that a woman should be prepared for if she wants to go into aviation. And there are some wonderful tips people can look into as they prepare into making a career in the aviation sector. Uh, one thing that definitely stood out, uh, you have operated against many odds, be it in the industry that you're operating, be it in the GCC setup, being where you are, I mean, overall, the world recognition of women in uh, these areas. Did at any point in time, self-doubt come to you? And if so, how did you overcome those self-doubts? Okay, I had, all my 20s, I had self-doubts. All my 20s. After that, I, as I said, I have changed a lot, especially after my encephalitis. And then I never had any self-doubt. I had fatigue, mental fatigue. Because if you are keep keep doing things and fighting and fighting and fighting and working like three times somebody else next to you just to prove something, just to, you know, just to be somewhere or reach your goal, it, w- it will give you a lot of mental fatigue and exhaustion, actually, physical exhaustion. So I never, no, after I started my 30s, I never had any self-doubt. I had sometimes, you know, I was tired sometimes from politics, tired from trying to achieve something, trying to explain my vision to people who cannot see where I'm going through. And uh, that makes me frustrated. So I get frustrated sometimes. And how did you deal with your frustration? How did you channel your frustration to become the successful entrepreneur that you are today? Well, I mean, you need to have a lot of skills of negotiation, of lobbying, of persuade somebody. So there's a lot of emotional intelligence 
tools that you gather along your, you know, your life. That is what gave me fatigue because I had to use a lot of tools in order to reach somewhere or to achieve a goal that I have set for myself or set for the organization I had. I'm someone who was a lot creative and I achieved a lot of things because of my creativity, All a lot of ideas, as long as I have support for them. And if I don't have support for them, I try to convince a decision maker, convince a lot of people. So it took a lot of toll, but you know, you have to be self-motivated. If you don't have self-motivation and then you'll have always frustration because frustration comes from internal environment, not from within. Unless you don't have confidence in yourself, then you will have frustration from within. For you to have self-motivation, that is the solution for you not to be frustrated. But of course, I mean, if you try to, you know, months and months and months, and then, you know, you don't, you, a project is shut down because of something that somebody didn't believe in it, you'll get frustrated. But then, you you know, you fall and you jump back, uh, you, you know, and you, you continue, you, you persist. So persistence is, uh, is the key. But then when I, after 30 years in the government, I felt that I had frustration at the end because there are so many things that I want to achieve and I couldn't achieve it from where I was. So that's why I left, I retired, and then I opened my companies. I was in aviation, I couldn't do anything in medical right. field, so I had to create a medical company. Cybersecurity, I'm a software engineer, I understood a lot of, things, which is a human factor. Nobody is addressing human factor in cybersecurity. Everybody's throwing billions of money in, in software and in technologies, but nobody's looking at why do we have cyber threats. The hacks, almost 99% of the hacks comes from a human error, from negligence, from someone, a secretary, a, a, an officer, some, somebody who you are not really put on your radar when it comes to cyber uh, security investment. So these are the things that is, if you look at 20, 80%, so look at the 20%, which has the higher impact, which is the human factor. Nobody's addressing it. So I went into that. I couldn't do it from the government. So I went into my private, a private company and I created a private company and we did a good partnership with a good provider. We are working with some of the most, you know, important federal organizations right now. Uh, same thing as the medical. I was in aviation. I wouldn't be able to have a, my, you know, impact in uh, medical, but I went into private and I could do it. I had limit, you know, after 30 years, I had to convince people with my vision and the private, I can create my own vision. I can achieve my own vision. And that's why I left the government. I think takeaway from this is if you are in a setup where you cannot change the rules of the game, create your own game, create your own rules. Absolutely, absolutely. I, if you, you keep changing it, otherwise you just go. A lot of people stays in organizations for so long and I admire their persistence. But again, if, if there is a, a big rock in your way and you, ha- you are trying to do everything, you are trying to push it, you are trying to jump on it and you are unsuccessful, you have to change your path. There is a point where you need to decide to change your path. You try to change things, but if you cannot change it, you look at it differently. Look at it in a different way. This door is closed. There are other doors are open. If you keep looking at things negatively, I'm trying, and then you get frustrated. I can't do anything. I can't do anything, which I can, we can, I hear a lot of people saying that. 
and one is you now things are going to change and they are waiting for things to change. Things don't change. Either you change them or you change yourself. So very true. So here we are with Laila in the power of three segment. Laila, three routines that are very unique to you. I don't think there is something unique in my life. I wake up, I have my coffee, I walk the dog, I go around my garden in the beginning. You know, nature, connecting with nature in the morning is very crucial. Getting the air, the oxygen in the morning is very crucial for your brain health. And I work a lot. I think that's a routine that nobody does. I work a lot. Like from morning till night, I work a lot. People think that I get fatigued or, uh, you know, it's it's a bad thing to work all the time. I don't think it's a bad thing because I keep my brain, you know, active. I keep I keep my brain young. I keep my body young. If you have a young brain, you'll have a, a young body. So related to that is what are three productivity tips that you can share with our listeners? All right. First of all is your health. If you neglect your health, okay, you will not be productive. So first thing is sleep. You need to have proper sleep in order to maintain the full functionality of your brain. If you don't get enough sleep and you work until 12, uh, 1 o'clock. I do work a lot, but I sleep early. So my day is productive, but I do have a good night's sleep. So that's a very important thing to be productive. Then you need to prioritize. You need to look at your resources, prioritize your resources, and prioritize your time and see what's the most impactful thing that I can do in the shortest time and less resources. And that's how you prioritize your efforts. And uh, third of all, just, you know, uh, go and do things. Don't second guess. If you second guess yourself, second guess your decisions, you will take a a longer time in doing stuff. So you need to exercise your brain. There are a lot of uh, exercises to take quicker decisions. First, you need to read a lot, get a lot of information all the time. For you, when it comes to a decision, you take a quick decision. A lot of people would not read everything, will not take, will not be on top of everything. And then when they give them a, you know, a request for decision or it is time to decide, and then they will come and go look at all the documents, all the information, and will, and it will take forever to take a decision. So for you to be on top of things all the time will make you take quicker decisions. You prioritize, you trust again your resources. You take a little bit longer time in the morning to just set up your task or your resources. And then you will be able to achieve much more. So little bit more morning time in organizing, it will create a huge difference in the output at the end of the day. Wonderful. Great response there, Laila. Three traits that has helped you flourish as a leader. Compassionate. Before anything else, you need to understand human beings. You need to look at your people as human beings, not as tools, you know, and you need to think about their personal lives. They have families. And if someone is not, uh, is not uh, functioning, you need to sit with them and look why they are not functioning. It's not discipline, discipline, discipline. You need to work with them for them to understand that or to feel that you are with them. You are not, you are not just wanting you know, some productivity without looking them at human beings. 
So we need to have this compassionate with our employees, not saying that, you know, at the end of the day, you are a profit uh, company. You need productive people, but you need to spend a little bit time in understanding their circumstances and trying to work out something that will work for you as a company and for the individuals. You cannot just, you know, treat people, everyone the same. And that's the problem with women, because when when they look at women, they I mean, when or when you say what's the gender gap and how equality and uh, uh, treated in uh, organizations and in corporations, we look at women similarly as men. And this is not really something that women want. I think they were misguided or misled in the beginning with all the feminist you know, movements and all of that. Women, they don't want to be treated like men. Women wants to be treated equally, but not similarly. Like equally, it's not like you are giving them five hours to work and give the woman five hours to work. It's not, this is not what we are talking about. We are talking about understanding uh, differences between a man and a woman and giving them the, the equal opportunities between, between them, treating them differently, create different policies. A woman should have a different policy than a man. At the end of the day, women and men are productive. Similarly, sometimes a woman is productive more, sometimes a man is productive more, but their circumstances and the way they come up with that productivity is different. And we need to change the policies of organizations in order to adapt you know, to the women's need. Women are mothers, women are teachers, you know, for their children, their nurturers. It's different. We need to change the policies and custom policies for, you know, to incorporate women and to ensure that they have full productivity. So back to on three traits that you have accumulated as leader. One was compassion. What are the other two? First one is compassion. Second one, you need to start from zero. In order to be a good leader, your people need to know that you know what they are talking about. You cannot be a leader and you tell people what to do and then you don't know what you are talking about. So for me, when I started my holistic, my holistic clinic, for example, I'm not a physician and I never worked in the medical field, but I established a, a holistic uh, rehabilitation center. I had to go and study, study medical again. I became hormonal health practitioner. And then I went again and studied even manual manipulation. I was with a lot of, you know, young students. I'm in my 50s and we are, you know, doing manual manipulation for clients all day. I had to do it because my people need to respect me and I need to see the error if they are doing an error. So that is something that you really need to start from, from scratch in order to understand you know, everybody's doing the right thing and they need to respect you, need to discuss with them. This is how you become a leader of people. If they think that you do, you have no idea what they are doing, you are not, you are, they don't respect you as a leader. So create credibility with, with your people and be, and be compassionate and be visionary. So you cannot manage them, you know, and expect them to come up with the ideas, with creativity. You need to be visionary. They need to follow you. If they cannot see that you have vision, you, you know, and you don't come up with, you know, momentum for your company, you, they will never follow you. They will come to work, do what they want, do they what supposed to, and then they will go home without any motivation, without any inspirational. So you have to inspire them and not only because of who you are and because of how charismatic you are. No, you have to inspire them with a great vision that 
they are proud to be part of your team and they are proud to be, you know, under you as a leader. I think I can create a masterclass on leadership, seeing how passionate you are with this particular subject. Maybe that's for another episode. Laila, three book recommendations that you, you can share with us. Three book recommendations. I didn't finish it, but recently I started with Jaws. It's amazing. It talks about the hidden uh, epidemic in the country about the sleep and about uh, the jaw deviation from uh, hundreds of years. It's amazing. It's not a medical book. It's, it's a book for the public, but it's for every parent, for anybody who wants to understand how we evolved as human beings, why our faces are different than before and where are we going in future with the face structure and with all the diseases coming in the future with from the proper posture. It's amazing. I recommend you to read it. Other book, all my Angelo books I've read, all my Angelo books. So her biography is, you know, you know, different, different books different chapters. So I recommend everyone to read Maya Angelou biography. The third one is I recommend, you know, or I read a lot of psychology books. So social psychology is very important. One of the things that made me success or gave me success in my career is social psychology. So when you do a lot of change management, when you practice governance in organization, or when you create policies and in government, you need to understand the behavior of people. You need to understand how the public will behave with your policy. So behavior management and social psychology is very important for a public servant, very important also in the private field. Great, great listings out there. The last of the power of three round question here coming to you, Laila, is what are the three things on your bucket list? My bucket list gets empty very well, very quickly. I don't have anything right now. What it is like for the for 2023 at least? 2023 is we want to serve the autism, you know, society. And this is what I try to achieve this year. As you know, the autism, you know, clinics and, and hospitals. Are, I mean, this sector is, you know, lacking of improvements and uh, innovation, the way we look at autistic parenting. So we are trying, we partnered uh, recently with the Z-Pods. Z-Pods, they have created an amazing product and I'm very proud of them. Actually, they created like these sleeping pods, which is an addition in our sleep practice for autistic children, for people with PTSD, for veterans after war in order to, you know, provide them with an environment, a secure environment, safe environment. Uh, with the proper sensory, uh, you know, uh, sensory uh, management in order to provide them with a good night's sleep, which is very, very important for the development of the children, for the mental health of people with PTSD, ADHD, or uh, or veteran from the war, or with people who has a lot of, you know, crucial jobs where they want to nap very nap, you know, for a short time and then they go for, you know continue their job like soldiers, like uh, air traffic controllers, maybe pilots, etc. So this is something that I want to achieve by next, by end of this year. Hopefully we are going to have the market, you know, understand, they know our product. And I could see a lot of parents buying these pods for their children 
And at the end of the year, I will have a lot of parents thanking us for a good night's sleep because they would they never had it since their child is born. So this is something that I have on my bucket list for this year. Wonderful. That brings us to the end of the Power of Tea round. So as we check along, you did speak very passionately about what you want to do to the community, to the, the contributions that you have been making. One such thing that got my attention was the grants that you are providing to young girls in the aviation sector. Tell us a bit more about it and how can the listeners also take advantage of uh, reaching out to you in terms of the healing support that you are providing. So both of it, tell us a bit about the grants that you are providing to girls and the holistic healing. Yes. So for girls in aviation, I uh, decided to set up a grant program as a continuation of my efforts in uh, the General Civil Aviation Authority. In my position, we have, you know, we have developed a program to support Latin America women and girls and African women and girls in the capacity building. So we had this cooperation program with the United Arab Emirates and with the African Assembly and the Latin American Civil Aviation Assembly to provide opportunities of training and internship in the United Arab Emirates uh, aviation institutions, regulatory or the industry. That was a very successful uh, program. I'm very proud that we had helped a lot of people to gain the knowledge, a lot of women to gain a lot of knowledge and experience within the UAE industry. And they went back and tried to, you know, better themselves uh, in career or create a great value for their organization themselves. For me, I was very passionate with that and I wanted to continue doing that in my retirement uh, life. So I established this grant, which we will announce soon. And uh, girls will compete to take the grant. The grant will be a lot of education opportunities, a lot of training opportunities, internship opportunities within the UAE and might be different uh, organizations around the world as well. And this is an invitation for big players in aviation, IATA, uh, IKEO, Airbus, Boeing, etc., to uh, support this grant and support these girls. We have a great program for them. And uh, I think uh, all aviation industry should support those girls, especially that, you know, the industry access for them is very challenging. So we have the responsibility to support them, to give them a push, and to give them, you know, a good environment in order for them to be able to, you know, have a good career in aviation. And eventually we increase the number of females in aviation. This will be a great show of solidarity in terms of capacity building and also showing the intent of furthering the educational and career prospects of all of those girls there. Wishing you luck on this initiative, Laila. So as we come to the home run, so this show, like we said, is all about creating ripples of inspiration. As we wrap up, Laila, what is your Inspire Someone Today message to all the listeners? It's very tough to make it in this age. Extremely tough, but also it's extremely easy. We have a lot of opportunities right now. It's a connected world. It's a technology world. It's the age of science and age of innovation. So you need to think very carefully of the opportunities that you have, uh, you know, you have ahead of you. Um, Education is lacking. 
don't look at what is there in education in order for you to succeed in the future. It's still a lot of specialties are not really designed about, you know, about what opportunities out there in the future. So for all the listeners, you need to expand your boundaries. You need to really read a lot about, you know, where's the world going? We have now, actually, right now, today, we have the government summit. So a lot of governments coming and gathering in the UAE, they are talking about the future of the world. They are talking about what kind of, you know, opportunities will be in the future, how the economy will be shaped in the future. So for everyone, they have to follow the leaders and they have to follow all of those insights, World Economic Forum, so many other uh, research, and they have to understand what kind of opportunities in the future will be available and how the economy, economic landscape will be. And then they have to change themselves and they have to adapt to those, you know, skills required in the future. And they have to see where the opportunities are and jump, never fear anything. Take all the risk that you can. I mean, you know, not going to lose anything. Take the risk, make learning an everyday affair and you're not going to lose out anything. On that note, Laila, thank you so much for sharing your insights, wonderful story. And it, it was a joy having a conversation with you. Thank you. Thank you for listening into today's edition of Inspire Someone Today. It's been a privilege to bring in these conversations. If you like this episode and have any feedback or comments, do mail me at inspiresomeonetodaypodcast at the rate gmail.com. Inspiring someone is like creating ripples around us. If you like what to listen, feel free to share them and let's create ripples of inspiration. Do not forget to follow me on my Instagram handle at the rate inspiresomeonetodaypodcast for all the latest updates. This is Srikanth, your host, signing off. And until next time, keep inspiring.